the power of the gospel on 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 5. So before I, before I preach, can we just pray? Because I really believe that the Holy Spirit wants to baptize us afresh this morning. And um, he is here and he wants to clothe us with power from on high. And the only way we can effectively minister to people, share the good news of Jesus Christ, be empowered to be the mom, the wife, wherever I go, bring the good news of Jesus is with the enabling of the Holy Spirit upon me. So let's pray and, and, just, and have anticipation. Lufefe brought the word anticipation. Today, let's anticipate the Spirit of God moving in our midst. So Lord, we just invite you here this morning. We thank you that it's the Spirit of God that, that breaks the yoke. It's the Spirit of God that um, brings liberty. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so I just declare freedom today. Lord, I pray that you would have your way amongst us. We yield before you. We surrender. We lay our distractions down. And we would like to meet with you. We want to meet you, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Amen. Amen. So, the, I always say Thessaloniki, but Thessalonica, for us English people, um, is very dear to Nick and I's heart. We actually went there um, twice, once with our families on a mission trip um, to, the, to Thessal Thessalonica, and um, we loved it so much, Nick and I, that we went back when Malachi was about 10 months old, and we actually got to minister in the heart of the city. The picture that you see there, oh yeah, this is us. Thanks, Cans, to bring it. How funny. This is before we got married. We were dating. <laughs> so the picture on the left is us actually in the port, um, and the picture on the right is actually us in ancient Philippi. And um, we loved it so much so that we actually asked the Lord when we got married, do you have the city for us? Do we need to um, leave and, and go to this nation? Because we, we partnered with a local church there. Our friends actually started the YWAM um, Thessaloniki fresh there. And um, this is the student hub of Southern Europe. So this town, Thessalonica, is actually got, it's, a, it's like a Stellenbosch or a UCT or a Tux, Jesus. It's the student hub of Southern Europe, full of students. And so it is with fondness that I share about the flourishing church that Paul writes about in Thess 1 Thessalonians. So as we know, Stan has touched that the Thessalonian church um, was a flourishing church. You can move on. We don't want to stare at Nick and I. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Um, so we're not going to go there yet, but um, just to give you context, home to home, the gospel spread with deep conviction, igniting hearts, and they became an irresistible people and an irresistible church which touched Europe and, and set, the, set, set the, the nations around them ablaze. And um, whilst preparing for today, I saw the Holy Spirit and, well, God, like a, I just saw this picture of this parachute clothing us, this colorful parachute clothing us today and it was like heavy and weighted and I believe the Lord wants to clothe us with his spirit and that we would be a people set ablaze. Paul showered this church with thanksgiving, honor and praise. The first three chapters are devoted to this and which leads me to this question, what qualified them, this church in 1 Thessalonians, to be this biblical model for us today? 
And I believe what marked them in part, I nearly labeled this preach marks of maturity because there's quite a few marks of maturity, but one of their marks of maturity was their awareness to the Spirit's promptings and leadership in their life. And so my desire today is that we would leave here conscious of the presence of the Holy Spirit upon us, and I'm going to take us through a short teaching on the Holy Spirit, and that we would be a people empowered from above. So 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 1 to 6, if you have your Bibles, otherwise you can look at the screen. It says, Paul, Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians, and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Because our gospel came to you, so this is what I'm going to focus on, not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. So I just want to read that part highlighted. Because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. So my first point is that the gospel, our gospel, Paul says, our gospel came to you not simply with words. Paul didn't say there were no words. No words. Paul valued the word and the spirit. We can't have one without the other. And I love how God, like throughout Scripture, we see the Trinity um, is, is mentioned throughout Scripture. And one of my favorite stories is at Jesus' baptism. And Jesus comes up out of the water, and there's the Father God present who says, this is my son whom I'm well pleased with. So Jesus comes up out of the water, God, Father God says that, and the Holy Spirit lands on Jesus in the form of a dove. And the Bible says it was like the dove that remained the dove that remained. And so Jesus, John 1 verse 1 says, Jesus is the word made flesh. So the word of God came up and the spirit came. The word of God and the spirit of God is, is it's not word or spirit, it's word and spirit. And you know, we might be thinking, mm, we're in Pride Month, there's, um, people are confused with gender, um, whatever the, the cultural issues of our day are. And um, you know, whatever it is, but the Word of God has not lost its cultural relevance. It is still as relevant today as it was 2,000 years ago. My Sunday school teacher in one of our, in my first church growing up, Auntie Isla, bless her heart, my brother's giving me a big smile because he remembers her. Um, Shine teachers, we salute you, um, because she marked, she marked my heart, actually. And so Auntie Isla, um, who's gone to be with the Lord, Every single week would make us recite the Bible. 
And um, I remember, so she'd give us a verse, and the next week she would come and she would stuff marshmallows in our mouths and make us recite the, the word with tubby bunny in our mouth, you know, and we'd have to recite the, the words. But I'm so grateful because it marked my heart. And she, called, she always said to me, Jan, the Bible is the recipe book for life. Anything you need to go, you look in the Word. Are the words of the Bible written on our hearts? We need good theology, but we also need, it doesn't end there, we need divine encounters. The purpose of knowledge is to lead us to the one who transforms our hearts. We can't just have information. We need information that leads us to transformation by the Spirit of God. We can't just have information. We need transformation by the Spirit. We need to hunger after the Word. Let it transform, convict, and sanctify us. And so my next point is the gospel of power. Paul says the gospel didn't just come with words, but with power. Can everyone say with power? power. With power. So... You're all South Africans. Who has been, well, some of you are not um, South Africans, but you all live in South Africa, right? Who has been stuck at an intersection? Um, I think of Mgeni intersection because it's crazy at, at, um, at load shedding hour. Hey? And it's like, okay, there's the darling sweetheart trying, he's not a police person, but they're trying their desperate way to direct the traffic. And I'm so confused because I'm like, do I listen to them or do I listen to the rules of the road which says we treat this as a four-way stop? And like the cars are, so anyway, I end up just following along that person for the sake of letting the traffic flow, right? But if we take a police officer and we put them in the middle of the intersection, does the traffic flow? Yes. So put, take that, so let's say I'm the police officer and I'm standing in the middle, but I've got no clothing on me and I'm just in my civvies and I'm directing. Would you, would you recognize me as the authority to direct the traffic flow? No. What do I need? Yes. So Carmen, bless her, she gave me her police jacket. Tell me now. This is state property. I have to look after it with my heart, Carmen said. Would you listen to me now? Yes. Would you? Why? Because I've been clothed, hey, with authority to undertake the assignment. And what happens? The traffic flows. And so too, us believers, when we are clothed with the Spirit, the, the life of God will flow through me. Okay? We cannot be effective ministers of the gospel without the clothing of the Spirit. And in Acts 1 verse 8, we all know it so well, but um, Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he says, wait, wait in Jerusalem, says, sorry, Luke 24 verse 49 says, stay in Jerusalem until you've been clothed with power, Okay. And so God wants to clothe us with power, of his, the power of his spirit this morning, so that the river of, of God would flow through us. 
And I often think these 12 men who were with Jesus, okay, they are like now Jesus has defeated the grave and he's come back to them and he's ascended and this is amazing. And I'm like these 12 men who journeyed with Jesus for three years. I mean, they had front row seats to his life. They, I mean, can you imagine? They had front row seats to the Sermon on the Mount, to the Lord's Prayer, to watching the dead rise, to um, you know, seeing the mighty miracles that you read about in, in the New Testament. They saw it. They heard Jesus' teachings. They were Jesus' apprentices. Yet, God commanded them to wait until they were clothed with power. You see, their knowledge, their experience, their information they received wasn't enough. They needed the divine empowerment of the Spirit of God to enable them to effectively minister and to see souls set ablaze, set on fire, liberated, healed, the, the dead being risen. It's not about us. We can't do it on our own strength. We need to be saturated in the Spirit of God. Will we wait on Him? Will we prioritize waiting on the Lord until we've encountered the person of power, the one who defeated the grave? There is no other gospel but the gospel of power. And, and Anton Cater, I was looking through my notes when he was at our deacons weekend a few years back, but he said, a powerless Christianity is completely unbiblical. And, and I'm sticking my hand up today to say, Holy Spirit, baptize me afresh because I need your power to evangelize, to see my neighbors saved, to see the sick healed, to see those who have been um, imprisoned, uh, liberated and set free. And so, um, Joe, will you play that video? So before we play this video, I asked a few of of, of the people here for their testimony. And this is a display of the power of the gospel at work amidst us. These are men and women of Glenridge. So please play it, um, Joe. So I um, was divorced and on my own for 23 years. Mom with three children. And some 13 years ago, uh, God gave me one of the names um, of a man that he wanted to bring me as a husband. I am honored and thrilled to testify that after all this length of time that uh, he was faithful to his promises and I'm happily married to the man of my dreams and living my best life. God is faithful. For about seven months I have really struggled with tennis elbow. Really it affected my life. I wasn't able to do strenuous things or pick things up. Um, it even prevented me from really playing with my kids. And about six weeks ago at a Glenridge prayer meeting and Asante saw a picture of an arm and a tennis ball. And uh, one of, I think it was Chantel, had known about my arm and said, maybe that's Greg. And she called me over and Asante prayed for me. And the amazing thing is that I've been pain-free since that time. My little boy fell off a balustrade a couple of weeks ago and he fell into concrete on his head and it was a diabolical situation. He was rushed unresponsive to casualty but through the entire situation we felt the peace of the Holy Spirit and deep down inside I felt reassurance 
that Jesse was going to be okay. And he ended up being perfectly fine. He was in ICU for two short days. But the power of prayer is something to behold. I was a mother celibataire. For three years, I was at home. I didn't have a job. I didn't work. It was so complicated and hard. Il y a des moments où je pensais que Dieu m'a oublié et rien ne pouvait changer dans ma vie. Mais Dieu m'a surpris vraiment et euh, après trois ans, Dieu m'a béni avec un travail. Je suis capable de pouvoir au besoin de la maison, de prendre soin de ma fille. Je remercie Dieu et je suis vraiment reconnaissante. Merci Jésus. En septembre 2020, j'ai été diagnostiqué avec la COVID-19. I was in ICU on a ventilator and the stats at the time showed that I would have a 2% chance of living. But for our God, but for prayer um, and His love and His grace, I'm able to sit here and testify of His goodness. Hi friends, when the year started, I was extremely anxious about finishing school. I even thought, okay, that means I'm not finishing my studies and God came through just out of the random. I never applied. I never wrote a letter asking, begging. He just provided full bursary for my final year of studies. I broke my leg last year on October 6th and the doctor told me that I won't be able to walk again. I trusted God and Kayo and Tula prayed for me. But here I am, I'm working at the station. God has blessed me so, so much. Over 10 years ago, I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. I was told that I would be, could potentially be in a wheelchair and I couldn't work at all. I couldn't hold up a job. But God gave me a scripture. He gave me John 10, 10. And I can testify today that the Holy Spirit has healed me of that dreaded disease. And I live a healthy, productive life. Praise God. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. The power of the gospel of Jesus Christ amidst us, Glenridge Church. If you need a miracle, God wants to heal you, and we want to pray with you. And so I'm actually going to do it right now. If you are sick in your body, would you, would you stand? Let's take this moment. We're here with, with the Lord. Thank you. That we've heard, we've heard the testimony, and in Revelation it says, and... Um, they overcame by the blood of the Lamb, we've taken communion, and the word of their testimony. And so we've heard these testimonies of men and women being healed, being set free, um, um, being redeemed with a marriage, having financial breakthrough. So if any of those are you healing, you need financial breakthrough, um, you need redemption in relationships, would you stand? He will do it again. Come on. It's okay if the whole church stands. That's cool. I'm cool with it. Holy Spirit's so cool with it. <laughs> yes. So stretch out your hands. And let's receive in faith. Father God, we thank you that your name is Healer. And you want to heal today. I speak to every sickness in this, in this room. We tell it to be gone in the name of Jesus. 
I speak to every um, depression in this room. We, we break depression in the name of Jesus Christ. By the blood of the Lamb, you would be set free today. I speak to everyone needing financial breakthrough. I thank you that you are our provider, Father God. I thank you, Lord, that you see those who are standing. You know their need. And we pray for breakthrough today, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, would you bring healing? We declare that um, by your blood, um, we would be healed. And we thank you that your blood speaks a better word than sickness, um, illnesses, depression, um, uh, relational distress, financial ruin. We thank you that your blood speaks a better word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. (laughs) Amen. You guys can wave your hand at me if anybody did have like a physical sickness and you felt like you were healed instantly. Please wave your hand so we can celebrate you or give a shout. But we trust that God would bring complete healing in Jesus' name. So, it's like, how do you move on from there? (laughs) Well, we can go home now, hey? (laughs) No, we need the Holy Spirit. We need to be closed. We need to be baptized in Him. So my point three is my last point of the day that I'm going to camp out at is that we, the gospel, our gospel came to you with the Holy Spirit. And it's apparent through the New Testament that Paul valued the role of the Holy Spirit on his life. Okay? In all of Paul's letters in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit is referred to 120 times. Five of those times are mentioned in 1 Thessalonians, a book of only five chapters. So we see it's very important that we live a life with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit... Friends, some of you need to hear today that the Holy Spirit is not an optional extra to your walk with God. He is essential to our walk with Jesus. And salvation doesn't end at conversion. We need the baptism of the Spirit to bring transformation so that we can create disciples around us and set the world ablaze. This is how they did this in the book, and when we read in the book, the beautiful recipe book of life, the Bible. Um, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to let's just turn, turn to Act 16, and um, I'm not going to go through all these scriptures, so don't worry, we won't be here till lunch. Act 16, verse 10. Sorry, I'm going to go Act 16, verse 6 to 7. Paul, I want to read it. It says, Paul and his companions, so, sorry, sorry, we stop quickly. They were just about to enter Thessalonica, okay? They're literally on their way. You know Stan's map that he loves? Bless Stan and his maps. They were on their way, okay? So this is on their way. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Persia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. Isn't it beautiful how we see the Spirit of God leading and guiding them? In Acts 16 verse 10, we read about um, Paul having his vision and the dream about the man from Macedonia calling him. And um, then again, he, he goes. In Acts 16 verse 18, we read about somebody being delivered of a demonic spirit. In Acts 16.34, I mean, this is all one chapter, we see salvation for the household. I just want to read that. 
Um, because while I was, yeah, he says, so this was the jailer. So now they've just had this massive earthquake. We all know that beautiful story. They're in prison, Paul's in prison, and they've had the massive, massive earthquake. The chains have fallen off their feet, and um, the doors are flung open, and the jailer must be like, what on earth is going on here? And um, the jailer gets saved. That's what's so beautiful. And um, it says in Acts 16.34, Then he brought the jailer, then he brought them up into his house and set food before them, and he rejoiced along with his entire household that he believed in God. And whilst preparing, I really felt at this point that um, the gospel is for your entire household. The gospel of power is for your whole household. And you may be sitting here being the stuck alien one in your home that believes in Jesus. I want to declare that your whole household will be saved today, will be saved this year, in Jesus' name. Um, it's, so, it's interesting to me that in the, in the Old Testament, they had to bring one lamb per household as an offering for their forgiveness of sin. And who is our lamb now in the New Testament in our day? Jesus Christ became the spotless lamb that was slain. And you know what, friends? He didn't stay slain. He conquered the grave, and he is going to return. And he came for your whole household. And so I have faith that your whole household will be saved. So who is the Holy Spirit? Who is this precious Holy Spirit that, us, that we speak of, that Paul speaks of, that we sing about, friends? Um, well, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, okay? And um, in John 14, verse 16, uh, Jesus says to his disciples, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. I'm going to go on. Uh, Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. Um, so the Father says he's going to give us another helper. The Greek word means it's another of the same kind. So Jesus and the Holy Spirit and Father God are the Godhead. And then in John 16, it goes on. So if you want to learn about the Holy Spirit, I encourage you to read the book of John. He's, Jesus speaks beautifully about the Holy Spirit in that book. In John 16, verses 7 Uh, Jesus says, it is to your advantage that I go away. Isn't that incredible that he actually says that I send another one. It's to your advantage that I send another one. And we know in tennis, if somebody has the advantage, they have the upper hand, right? They, They have the upper hand. They are the one about to win the game. Friends, when we have the Holy Spirit, clothed with the Spirit, we have the upper hand in Christ Jesus because he has defeated the grave. We have the Holy Spirit, the helper. In the church, so Samuel Chadwick says this, in the church, he is the supreme executive, but he has his seat in the soul. Isn't that amazing? In 1 Corinthians, it says that we are temples of the Holy Spirit. John 14 that we just read says that he dwells in us. He has made his home in us. That's why it's so important that we are listening to the Holy Spirit so that when he convicts us of sin, we can be quick to repent because I want to have a beautiful home for the Holy Spirit to live in, you know? I want the Holy Spirit to be like, I want to dwell in jam. And he wants to dwell in you. He says he will dwell with you and be in you. Sorry, that was me. 
So what is his role? I gave you all a sheet on your, on your pages. I thought you could take it home. This is um, Scholar Jan coming out. But um, what is the Holy Spirit's role? His top priority is to reveal Jesus. In John 16, verse 15, it says, Jesus says, he will glorify me. The Holy Spirit's mission is to glorify Jesus Christ. When we seek out the Holy Spirit, we're seeking out the person of Jesus Christ. They're one and the same. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. The Holy Spirit will be in you. And then I'm just going to run through these. So when he's in us, he reveals Christ to us and in us. He brings conviction. He, he regenerates. He brings sanctification. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. He comforts. He gives joy. He washes us. He renews us. He produces fruit in us, the fruits of the Spirit. He liberates. With the Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. He brings truth. He seals us into the day of redemption. He dwells in us. He transforms us into the image of Jesus. He strengthens us. He helps us obey. And the Holy Spirit is with you. He has anointed you. He sends us out. He leads us. He guides us. He clothes us with power. He distributes gifts. Those are the gifts of the Spirit we love. You know, the gift of faith, gift of wisdom, gift of healing. He empowers us. He gives us boldness to minister. We all need boldness to evangelize. And he gives unity. I love, so in the old, so you can all go and if you love the, love the Bible, which we all do. But anyway, you're welcome to go and study this in your own time. I just thought it was nice to have some sp scriptural references to the role of the Spirit. But um, in the Old Testament, I thought this was so, I had such a revelation and Nick heard about it. And the, whilst I was brushing my teeth, I was like, oh my gosh, listen to this. So in the Old Testament, um, how they discerned the will of God, how they made decisions was they cast lots. And um, that's how they made their decisions, okay? Now, in the book of Acts, chapter 1, it's the last mention of them casting lots. So there were 11 disciples because Judas, Judas Iscariot had betrayed Jesus. They had 11. They needed one more. And so they cast lots, and the lot, the lot fell on Matthias. And Matthias joined the crew. And that was the last mention, because the very next chapter, what is it? It's the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit comes, and the Holy Spirit is the one who actually helps them decide. The Holy Spirit is the one who leads them. The Holy Spirit is the one who guides them, who reveals all truth. And so the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. If we are needing decisions to be made in our life, I beg you, go before God and ask the Holy Spirit to help you decide. We don't need to cast lots. We don't need a million and one signs um, or like the clouds to appear or, you know, we don't need those. We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us and with us empowering us for effective life. And so the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So we, um, a nice way to remember this for me is that um, the Holy Spirit baptizes us into Jesus when we are saved. You might be like, I don't, I'm saved, but I don't know if I have the Holy Spirit. Friends, when you became a believer at your conversion, the Holy Spirit brought the conviction. 
He was the one who convicted you of your sin and your need for Jesus Christ. So the Holy Spirit baptizes us into Jesus. We baptize each other with the water baptism as Jesus commands in Scripture. And Jesus baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. Um, and there's some Matthew 3, verse 11, Mark 1, 8. You can go and read about it. And some of us are from very different denominations. I grew up in a very charismatic Pentecostal movement. I saw my mom laughing on the Spirit often, shaking in the Spirit. The manifestations of the Spirit were the norm. But some of us might come from a very conservative background where um, the, the, the moves of the Spirit were maybe like, mm, I don't know if we can go there. But friends, we need the Word, we need the Word, we need the power of the Spirit, and we need the Holy Spirit. I remember um, my first year of Bethel standing in the room, it was like the first week, and the whole room was going bonkers with spiritual manifestations, except me. And it was like wild, I mean, people were... Um, roaring and, and dark, barking like dogs and rolling on the floor. And I was like, what is going on? I don't know Jesus. I don't even know if I'm saved anymore because I'm not manifesting. And um, it was so freeing because Bill got up there and he said, spiritual manifestations are not an indication of how spiritual you are. And if somebody is manifesting on the floor and somebody is sitting quietly, we don't know how the, the Spirit of God could be ministering way more to this person sitting quietly experiencing the peace of God than that person. But it's not our job to judge or assume what is the Spirit of God or not. And I remember this so clearly, but he said, it might be 95% flesh and 5% the Spirit of God. Let's let that 5% of the Spirit of God work. It's not my job to judge. It's my job to surrender and say, well, I want the fresh baptism of the Spirit in whatever way it looks like. Peace, stillness, crazy, laughing, whatever you have, I want because I want to be an effective minister of the gospel. And so in Acts 1 verse 4, it says that um, it's, Jesus says that the Father, the Holy Spirit is actually the Father's promise. He says, I'm going to give you the promised one. And so the Holy Spirit is the desire of the Father. Father God desires that we would be baptized by the Spirit of God. And yes, it may be a once-off marked moment that I was baptized in the Spirit, but we need to have a daily infilling. Like every day, why would you not want? Every day I want to be baptized in the Spirit so that I can be an empowered person and, and see. Um, Spencer brought this beautiful word that um, ensued, that we would have the spiritual cataracts would be removed today. Our, we want to be a people who see what the Spirit is doing so that we can partner with them and be an irresistible people in church to our nation. Is the Holy Spirit essential to my faith? Yes. We cannot have a partial gospel. Okay, when people get saved, we need, to baptize, we need to ask for a baptism in the Spirit. It's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So how do we receive the Holy Spirit? We ask. It's simple. We are like little children. Luke 11, verse 13, it says, If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father 
give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Brands, can I ask you to just come strum some guitar as I land? So we simply ask. And you know what? When Nick gives our children gifts as a father, he's excited for them to open the gift, right? And he wants to see them use whatever they've been given, whether it's a rugby ball. He wants, his, his delight is in seeing the boys play with that rugby ball and use the gift. And so, friends, when we, we, we receive the Holy Spirit, the Father's delight is that we would live a life in partnership with the Holy Spirit. Why do we need the Holy Spirit? It's the biblical pattern for a believer. There's no other option, as I said. Titus 3 verse 4 says, as I land, He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. The Holy Spirit wants to pour himself out. Jesus wants to pour the Holy Spirit out upon us this morning, friends. Can I?